The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, but I'm even more excited for our special guest today. He's the founder of Shannon Robnet Industries. Shannon, thanks for joining us today. How are you, sir? Good, Cody. Thanks for having me, man. I love, I love, I'm looking forward to this topic too, because I have so many of what you're looking for. It really took me some time to get down to the one. Well, listen, I, I first and foremost appreciate you joining. Super excited to have you here today. You know, when I was looking through your history and all that and, and doing our research, it, it was awesome to see what you were going to be able to bring to the table. And I figured there would be some compelling stories and you'd have to try and find one. And, and I honestly, I appreciate the what we were talking about off camera as well. It was really good to get to even know you even more and that kind of stuff. But for those that maybe haven't found your your content quite yet, haven't worked with you quite yet, would love to start out with your origin story where you're from, how you got into real estate, and what you find yourself doing these days. So I am a second-generation builder-developer, third-generation, or sorry, fourth-generation realtor, third-generation pilot. Just about everything we do, we do generationally. That's just because it takes my family that long to start getting it right, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, you know, so I grew up at the dinner table listening to my parents sound like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Just they were excerpts out of Robert Kiyosaki's book, because that's what I grew up with. My mom would come home and said, hey, I was showing the Smiths property in this neighborhood. And oh, then now they want to move their shop over there. And my dad says, well, we've got this property over here. We can sell that. We can do a 1031 exchange. And at the time, I'm like thinking, shut up and pass the broccoli, you guys. Golly, you know. And it wasn't until later, obviously, that I realized that, you know, everybody goes through that transition of trying to figure out when your parents got smart. And, and, you know, I was, I got married at 20, five months after we were married, we found out that we were going to be having a baby very soon. I'll just let you do the math. We got married in August, Valentine's day, son was born in November anyway. And, and I'm working at this job, right? I'm, I'm, I'm on a job site for my dad and I'm, I'm doing the deal. And my crane operator's talking about, I need space. I need space to park my cranes. I'm talking to the little old lady next door. She's in her late seventies. She's got an autistic son she really wants to get out of this industrial converted area. She's got an old house and three acres. And I start to put this deal together in my head, right? And so I go and I find out, you know, hey, let's let's find a, a good solution here. What do you think it's worth? And I wrote the contract with my mom and I, I put my earnest money down and it wasn't my only $500. It wasn't my last $500. It was my only $500. It was all we had. And I got the deal at the table and I did a simultaneous close, which now we call a bunch of other stuff. But at that, that point, it was a simultaneous close and a holdback on the cleanup that had to be done on the property. And I got the deal done and I made about 80 grand. And when you do the 500, the 800, the 80,000 divided by 500, I realized that was a lot better return on my time and my money than working for my dad. And I realized at that point that real estate had a future for me more than just building things. And that was kind of where I started. And, and like I told you off camera, I didn't work for anybody else. My dad was a was a one industrial at a time project kind of guy, never really had an office staff. And so what I learned from him was how to get it physically done. But it took all of you. And then I started to see my mom was writing the paperwork. She wasn't building the house. She was making almost as much as my dad. 
I started to see that there was an easier way. And I began to create a company that, that took both, the best of both of those and began to work with people to build out what they wanted and deliver that from a development standpoint. And then I realized that these people don't pay near what I could make working for myself, as in my company doing the work, the development work for me and my investors. And that's really kind of the short version of how we got there 20, 31 years later, 30, we're, we're in our 31st year now of, of actually doing development and uh, construction. And so it's only taken 31 years to get this polished. So I'm really hoping to streamline things in the next 31. I hear you. Well, listen, we, we love a good origin story because I think the most fascinating thing that's come out of doing this show has been hearing all the different unique origin stories, where people come from, how they get into real estate, what part of their life and journey they're on when they find real estate. And hopefully people are listening to this or on their way or are already established in, in that field. But Shannon, we, we could talk at nauseum, I'm sure, about all the, the interesting stories and everything. But when, when we booked you, I'm sure something had to come to mind when you were thinking about unsuccess stories to help educate myself and the audience as well about a lesson that maybe you learned or a failure maybe you had early on that helped kind of get you to where you are today to be successful? Well, you know, the thing that I, I, I have the phrase that says, you know, actually I do have a dollar for every time I did something wrong. Because in my business, what I've learned is that it's the tenacity that's kept me going. It's the tenacity that's made me the money and the mistakes are what were the teachers, right? And I think our society has forgotten that, that mistakes teach us, Right. So I do have a dollar for every mistake I ever made. But I think the first one, I, I, I like the first example that I came up with, which was really one of my first projects that I ever did on my own. And it's, I bought a house and there's, see, there's no aspect of real estate that I haven't done, right? I've done, I've done fix and flips. I've done ground up. I've done value add. I've done, but this particular house I bought for $5,000 and I moved it. I don't know how many of your listeners have actually ever moved the house, but the thing that I was really excited about this 1910 house was that it had a small root cellar in it, but the best part of it was it had a basement staircase. And so when I moved it, I doubled the size of it. And I thought, man, I'm going to be making some serious money on this house. I'm going to put a basement in it. But then everything started to pile up. I found a one acre lot that I could put it on. So I bought the lot. That was back when you could buy an acre of, of land in Boise uh, for $30,000. Now that's going to run you about 400. I bought this acre and I think the guys have actually made more money selling off pieces of that to the highway district as they widen the road than anything else. But I moved it out there. But then I had to drill a well. Then I had to put in a septic tank. Then I had to put a foundation underneath it. And pretty soon I wound up learning two very valuable lessons. One is price does not equal value because I paid five grand for this house. I mean, that was cheap. That was, I mean, I don't know anybody that's paid cheaper for a house, but by the time I got done with it, after putting it all together, I sold it for $136,000 to make five grand. So I did all the work of a well and a septic and, a, and, and hanging new sheetrock in it and old cast iron pipes that got repaired and plaster and lath and all the things that go into what goes on there with a, a complete move. And I learned that price doesn't equal value. Mm -hmm. The other thing that came out of that was the fact that I also learned that you can't determine what your goal is without a good cost breakdown. Because what I didn't know completely ruined me for ever doing a remodel again. Every time I turned around, something else was wrong. And it really wasn't that something else was wrong. It's just something wasn't anticipated. 
So out of this thing, I learned that if you don't have a good price model that says, hey, when you're doing this, you need to do this and this and this and this and this and have a good due diligence checklist that then creates a proper and accurate budget. Because I went from making $50,000 on the house to $5,000 on the house because all the things that I didn't know when I was 21 years old. Out of that, I learned those two very specific lessons out of one project, which I think is kind of par for the course. I always use usually learn multiple things on a project because I needed to. Well, and, and, and it also probably taught you that's not the avenue of real estate that you wanted to go down. No. That, that, that there was something else that you had in your blood. You had that entrepreneurial spirit. That was just not the route that you were going to go down. But I love the fact that you look back and you think, man, you know, I can buy this really cheap. I can make money off of that. And, and to your point, price doesn't always equal value. You, you right. got to look at the total picture and how much money is it going to cost me? Money, time, all of it going into right. the equation. What is the risk that I'm going to have to take to get this to where it needs to be to sell? And what is going to be my reward in doing so? And I think, especially my opinion, right? I just want to clarify that. My opinion, especially being what we've seen in the multifamily market over the last couple of years, it was a skyrocketing thing. But I think what we're we're getting ready to start seeing are some corrections in that and s- some operators maybe overextending themselves and not taking into consideration the total picture. It was just buy, buy, buy as fast. Well, as and that was it, right? Like we talked about off camera, it was price doesn't equal value. They saw that you were willing to pay 10 million for it. So we've got to go 10-2 to get the best and final. Now we've got it. We can deduce that the only way to finance it at this point is a 10-year IO floater. And then the next thing you're going to be in the next four months as a floater, you know, and, and, and that's because you didn't understand the total cost mm-hmm. and the ramifications of not having that all the way penciled out. I mean, FOMO has hit that market so hard and, you know, everybody's a guru now. Everybody's in the multifamily space and, and racking up units. And, you know, I mean, I, I even saw somebody say that they were in the multifamily space because they had a duplex. And I said, what do you mean? They had a, a single wide trailer that had been converted into two units and they considered it a duplex. And I said, mm-hmm. that's a that's a fire trap. That's different. <laughs> well, my you know? my my other favorite is I, I've seen people and, and listen, there are a lot of smart people, a lot of great operators. And I, oh, this, of course is, this is this is not a shot across the ballot, any of those. But I there are some that I've seen that have closed properties, one singular property, and now they have a book and they are going on shows and they're being labeled as an expert. And right. I'm a firm believer in the the 10,000 hour rule. And I'm like, well, you you're a year and a half, maybe a year into this industry you got four more before you're even looking at being an expert. And yet, and I'm working on 30,000 hours and there's still things that I will shy away from because I don't know how to do it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's part of getting to that 10,000 hour mark is mm-hmm. you now know what you're really good at. You know what you're really not good at and you're not dumb enough to BS yourself into thinking you can do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, listen, we had a guest on recently. I, I don't think the show's quite, it might be published by the time this comes out, but they were talking about how it took them 18 months to buy a multifamily property, 18 months. And if you look at the past couple of years, there are people they were getting in and doing and buying their first property within two to six months. And, and I, But you, you just, know what? As somebody that's been doing this a long time, I would be a lot more inclined to work with that guy. Mm-hmm. And especially if he marketed himself as the guy that lost 9,000 deals, right? Or whatever mm-hmm. it was. 
I'm the, I'm the guy that, you know, underwrote 600 to get one. Wow. Now all of a sudden I really like your underwriting because it's underwriting like that, that a lot of people think is broken, which is actually the beauty behind proper underwriting. You know, I mean, we rode through 08. I rode through the gates of hell there. And the reason that my underwriting is the way it is, is because I still hurt when I think about 08. I'm incredibly grateful for the partnership I have with mine my partner who had started his construction business in late 07. And so he wrote out 08 and 09 and made it to the other end and saw a lot of people fail in his industry while he was able not only to make it through, but to become very successful afterwards. And now we're parlaying that into a real estate business. And a lot of our underwriting, especially the last year, felt like we were missing out on opportunities. You get to your point, the FOMO, you see people on LinkedIn and, and, social media and all these things saying, look at this, look at this. And you're looking at your underwriting on, on some of these deals. You go, what are we missing? Right. They're not necessarily. It's that you're, you're just not willing to take certain risks that others are. And, and your underwriting may not be the problem. It may just be that somebody else either has, they have, they need less returns or they have different kinds of institutional money that you don't. Or they, or they made higher risk wagers and actually had the market treat them very well because the market met them. And that that one that last one is the worst one because then you believe then you begin to believe that it's you that did this magic and you go bigger and go bigger and go bigger until you go splat. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest one to recover from is that one that that everything's working for you and 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 the guess that tomorrow is going to be better than today. You know, everybody did that in 08. To your point, show me a group that's had some struggles, had some challenges, even some failures. And that's the group I want to invest in. Yeah. It's been around for yeah. a while. Show me yeah. the ones that that don't have a deal from the past year, but underwrote 600 of them, but they they yeah. finally got one. Show me yeah. that group. And I don't want to see the group or maybe just my opinion. I wouldn't want to invest in the ones that say, look, look what we did the past two years. We, we hit them all out of the park. Well, of course you did. Yeah. Right. The market bailed you out. But yeah, that's Julio Glacius was not going out of the park this last year, too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a story for a different show. But right. Uh, right. But Shannon, I, I can't thank you enough for jumping on here. I, I think what you said is incredibly valuable. And to have that lesson learned early in your career on all the aspects, right, the, the budgeting, the, the price to value conversation and understanding and getting a better idea of what kind of real estate you want to be in, I think was incredibly valuable. You learned it early as opposed to later, because we have had some guests on that have gone through that, but I think it's valuable nonetheless. I didn't uh, say I was done learning. No, well, yeah, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> the good ones are always learning, right? right. Always learning. Right. For those that want to work with you, follow up with you, invest with you, where's the best place people can find you at? You know, the easiest place is just shannonrobnet.com. Uh, if you go there, you can you can hit contact me. I'd love to chat with you. You know, book a call. We can get to know each other. You can find resources there. Got a book club there. If you want to know what I read in a year, be good to great place to connect. Just shannonrobnet.com. Perfect. And listen, uh, Shannon has a great YouTube channel as well. Make sure you're checking that out because he's pumping out a lot of great content on there. I, I caught myself getting tied up in that when I should have been making some Appreciate phone calls that. this week. So uh, it <laughs> is really great content. Shannon, again, thank you for joining. It's truly been a pleasure having you on, sir. Thank you, Cody.
And hey, everyone listening and watching at home, we appreciate you and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.